Poirot's. Could you believe it? A week went by. I count one, two, seven whole days, Dan. Can you believe it? Absolutely not. Do you believe in time? I thought you were going to sing uh, Do You Believe in Love by Huey Lewis in the news for a second there. I was kind of a little bit hopeful. Gentlemen, Joey here on the mic to tell you that he loves Huey Lewis and the news big Same. time. Big sports fan. You know, that's the only sports I really like. <laughs> what do you I... think about that, Inspector Dan? I like both actual sports and sports by Huey Lewis. So I will, I will, I will agree with you and also disagree in the sense that I do love sports. It sounds like if anyone's going to bring world peace, it's you. Welcome to the podcast. I bring it all together. Welcome to world peace. Yes. I hope you listen to today's episode because you're going to be left out on the peace train without it. Yeah. You got to get on the peace train, man. Hands across America, right? Dan's across America. <laughs> Hands across America. I love it. There's enough of you. I think you could, you could save us. I think there's a lot of Dan's out there. Yeah, I think I think we could make it work. I'll, I'll watch, call the network. I'll call the network of Dan's. Do you watch Us, that uh, Jordan Peele movie from? I haven't. Is, is it good? I, I wanted to see it. I just never got around to it. The, it's uh, Hands Across America somehow is a, a big plot point of that movie. Really? I really liked it. I mean, at, at the end of the day, no matter how you feel about it, you can say it's fucking original. Mm-hmm. And that's that's great. That's in short supply. So I appreciate I, that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I loved it. I, I actually, I really really was quite fond of it. I think of it from time to time. It has some strikingness. I liked it better than um, Get Out. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I liked Get Out. I thought it was good. I like Get Out, but I think this one's like actually like a horror film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seemed like that was the case too. Like based even just on the trailer, what I saw of it. It just, it's a step up, you know, you want your filmmakers to improve, you know, so I love Get Out. I think this one's better. I'm I'm saying you want to keep rising. Exactly. No, I, I agree. I win as far as reviews go. (laughs) <laughs> roger ebert watch your back you watch your gravestones back yeah man you got a new guy on the roger ebert.com uh, i should say because that still exists it's crazy that you see like reviews coming in still i wonder if they had to like license his name and all that stuff i guess they had to well i think it's like his wife or who is still around I oh does she like kind of still running it and okay. there's a lot of like reviewer i'm not too familiar with film reviewers now i you know running a film podcast i guess we should be better about it but yeah, it, there, there's some people. I, I, read, I was reading a review the other day from RogerEbert.com about the Snyder cut of Justice League that had just been released when this was recorded. I keep hearing about that, and like it's so not on my radar just because like I don't love superhero movies and especially like Marvel ones. So like it's just to, like I hear people talking about. It, I'm just well, like, this is DC, Dan. Is it DC? Yeah, you got Superman, you got Batman, Wonder Woman. Oh, well, that shows you how far off off my radar it is. That I'm not even Fair paying attention. Yeah, I just, I don't, like, I see, I just keep seeing, like, everywhere on my feed, like, Snyder It's Cut, a popular like, topic at the moment. By the time you're listening to this, it's old news for sure. Tr- trust us. It, it was there. It um, was there. I mean, I, you know, Dan, I have to say, I, I'm so shocked. I actually have nice things to say about it. Really? I I'm, actually, I'm shocked, too. I, I so I was coming into this ready to dunk on it, had the lowest you know expectations of it, but there was just as a comic book fan, it was a great comic book movie, I would say. Okay. There's so I believe me, there's so much to cringe at, laugh at. It's nowhere near a perfect movie, but uh, goddamn if it wasn't a fun time. So you're saying it's not Flash Gordon then? <laughs> no. But and I mean that in in the best way, in the in like the worst way possible. Well, in that in that I love Flash Gordon, the well, nineteen eighty movie. See, I love Flash Gordon. I was trying to find a way to connect them, but yes. I, I I couldn't do it without doing a disservice to each of them. Um, okay, that's fair. But yeah, I mean, Flash Gordon rules. I'm saying go see yeah. Flash Gordon before this. Yes, 
I would just say that in life in general. Like, there's I would a just, lot of movies I'm yeah. gonna put behind Flash Gordon. I mean, I still remember just being a kid and watching that movie and being blown away. I rented that a lot at the video store, and it was it's, great. It's awesome. The soundtrack's you got awesome. Queen on the soundtrack, exactly. Like, enough fucking said. Yeah, man. But it's such a fun time. Shout out to Flash Gordon. Shout out to Flash Gordon. What's that guy's name? Sam uh, Jones. Yes, yes. And Max von Sydow's in the movie. I mean, come on, you know? One but of the, the fact actors. that I can conjure this guy's name when I shouldn't, that's just how much I love No, you should. Gordon. I think you should. Well, I just mean society <laughs> doesn't want me to, Dan. And I said, you know what? That's not how I do things here on the podcast. What? Bring it, man. Got to bring it out. I do. I, uh, it's Broughton. It's Broughton. Speaking of bringing things, Dan, you teased before we hit record on the old podcast machine here and out of the podcast studios at our very elite digital studio. Yes. You said you, said you had a, quite a, a yarn to spin. I did. So I actually ended up randomly watching it because I saw it was on Netflix this morning, right before we uh, started today. I watched the last Blockbuster documentary. Oh, that's uh, right. I saw that had come out. Yeah. Um, and I wanted they- to see. I wasn't sure if you'd seen it yet or not. I meant to. Thank you for reminding me. I will, well, there you go. I'll probably be watching that tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, it was kind of, you know, it's kind of what you expect. It's like the whole nostalgia trip. I, I won't necessarily give away too much, but... Did it close? Remember, I I, I had uh, mentioned that I thought it had closed on a previous episode. Was I right, or do I... Do you I want me to tell you, or do you want to watch the thing to find well, out? Well, I mean, it sounds like I already know that it closed. <laughs> no, it, it didn't. Oh, well, maybe it's, it did. Did it close it, at the time of that filming? No, it's still okay. open. Okay. I even looked at, I looked it up beforehand. I did my fact checking and it looks like it's still open. That's great. Yeah. So they got one left in Bend, Oregon. That's the, that is truly the last one. I think it was interesting because they had such a random cast of people they interviewed, like celebrities or just personalities. Like, yeah, it was very odd. That's the trouble with those ones where like they have documentaries on like fucking Scrabble and like fonts and stuff. And you're just like, why am I listening to you? You just, yeah. you could come film today and that's why you're here. It, I mean, it was just weird because, like, it, you, they had everybody from, like, Kevin Smith, which you kind of expect. I, I was about to say, I expect that. Yeah, but you had, like, Ioni Sky on it, which I was really? like, I will say, I love Ioni Sky, and I was yeah. pleasantly surprised she was in it, but I, I just was like, it was from very Rivers random Edge. to me. Yeah, it was yeah, exactly, which I, it's still on my list at, at the top, but I have not watched yet, because I, I do love her, I do. And Wayne's World. And Wayne's, oh man, in the beginning of Wayne's World, oh man. I mean, say anything is like the first time I saw I'm her. trying to get away from the obvious stuff. She's in Wayne's World and she, even though it's just such a bit part, she's really great. I mean, she kicks the movie off and in yeah. perfect style. Yeah, I would not want that movie to start any other way. Absolutely not. I mean, you know, we do, we both like the second movie, but you, we have to admit that the biggest failure was that it didn't start with Aeon Sky. Yes, I think that was a, a, a big fail on, on a lot of people of walked out of the theater once they saw she was not going to be returning in some yeah. form. No, but she's, she's awesome. And yeah, so she was in it and I was like, wow, that's cool. Just like yeah. a lot of random people were in it. I mean, Jamie Kennedy's in it, like uh, the singer Absolutely. of Savage Garden, the guitarist from Smash Mouth. Dude, the list, I mean, Paul Shear's in it, which is cool. Like they do, and Brian Posehn, like there, there's some like interesting wow, people. They're all just, over the place. Exactly. It's so, it's so all over the place that it's so random. There's like what, two edits you could make of that documentary of like one of like all the cheesy, like, you, you know, you said Jamie Kennedy, enough well, said. Well, something that, well, I didn't realize and partly why he was in it is because he was a part of like the entertainment crew, which was like, it was like a um, part of the uh, advertising campaigns for Blockbuster. They ha- and I don't oh. even remember that. I don't even remember that. 
but he, like so they had like little videos that they played. So there was a reason he was there. Okay, yeah, so, so that right. made sense later on because apologies when he to that. Jamie to yes. Jamie Kennedy. I do apologize. Please keep your experiments away from me. Right. Well, Paul, Paul Shear. I was to say Paul Shear used yeah. to work at one. I remember hearing that. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. Did Ione Sky work at one, or she was just there because they didn't mention it? Well, you know what? Say anything was big at, at uh, Blockbuster, maybe. Maybe she alluded to it, like, indirectly. Like, I'll have to go back and watch, because there was a scene where she talked a little bit, like, it almost made it sound like she did at one point. Do you want me to pay attention when I do my watch through, so you don't have to revisit? I mean, you can. I mean, if you want to report back on it, I mean, like, that. I feel like that that would be a good follow-up for the, the next episode. Okay, so I actually have to do Well, you can follow up episode. for things that, like, I would never follow up on, because I never follow up on things. So, Well, that's episode 52, Dan. You have a long list. We're not even going to have a noir episode then. It's just going to yeah. be like, hey, man, how was Bill and Ted? It's all going to be Keanu Reeves movies. How was River's Edge? Yeah. We'll, even, we'll even watch. We'll, 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 we will reward you with Point Break at the very end. I can't and wait. So you watch all those movies, and then you are granted access to the wave. Sounds good to me. But I think and ultimately, it, like, and then like, it's via Condios to the podcast. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Viacom Dios, like as in like Viacom owning uh, Blockbuster at one point. That's Sorry, it's a very good. very specific joke, but spoilers, Dan. Yeah, well, I mean, they had lots of owners, but yeah, it was interesting to learn a little bit about the history, and like it also made me think about like as much as I did go to Blockbuster's kid. I also like equally, if not more, went to West Coast Video, which I don't know if you had those where you were, but like they were like a smaller chain. I mentioned this previously. Uh, yeah. I literally grew up in a tree, basically, in, yes. in the yeah, woods. Yeah. Uh, any video store was local. It took almost an hour to get to anything like a blockbuster. Right. So when you ride your bike there, it would take two hours, probably. And they didn't even have cool names. It would just be like Cornwall Video Store, West Cornwall <laughs> Video Store. And you're like, cool. Yeah. yeah, some random like mom and pop. But, you know, they were all, usually it was mostly pop, sometimes mom. Mm-hmm. But I used to actually get to like hang out at the video store, like behind the, the scenes, you get to see all like the clear tapes with the, the actual VHS inside it and go grab someone by number. It's fascinating. Yeah. I love oh it. yeah. No, I, I mean, even a few years ago when I, I made the trip out with my buddy to Seattle and Portland, when we were in Seattle, we went to Scarecrow video, uh, which is still open, which is like one of the largest like independent rental places, like at least in the country. And it, it, it blew my mind. Like it was just such a cool place. It was like multiple floors and they just wow. had like everything you could ever met. Like I, I was so overwhelmed. Like I didn't know what to look at. Like there was just so much to see. It was a really cool experience. You want your senses to be overloaded for sure. I don't even think it's worth starting a business if you can't have a, multiple floors. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, especially when it's that. floor businesses. Come on now, step yeah. it up. And I mean, get some stairs. Multi-level, man. But yeah, no, I, and I, and I, I kind of wish there was that experience. And I feel like it is an experience that's lost obviously in, on this generation. I mean, I, the convenience is one thing, but that's like one of the big takeaways that I got from it. It's just like, yeah, I mean, most of the idea of that movie was just the nostalgia of it. It's not necessarily like, I mean, part of it's the rental aspect of it, but a lot of it was just the cultural experience of it. I don't know. Sometimes I, I want to go back and sometimes I just say embrace the future. Yeah. I, th- I think nostalgia can be a mistake, says the man co-hosting a, a noir podcast, but... <laughs> Which is almost purely nostalgia. And, you know, um, with cassette tapes behind me, you know, for the viewers at home and, uh, or the listeners, pardon me. That's the whole point. Yeah. No, they're, no. they're watching. Don't worry. They, they, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> should have put on a shirt. Yeah. That would have been nice. Yeah. Well, you know, Dan, usually <laughs> I'm doing these for you. And I know you like a hairy chest, so. <laughs> well, if there's one thing that you know about me, it's that I do, I do like that. 
Yep, you've, you like fog in your movies and hair on your chest. I sure do. I got you figured out, sir. Yeah, yeah, you do. Well, that's cool. That's that's fun. Uh, I'll check out that documentary as will the viewer, the listeners. Why do I keep saying viewers? Because I'm I looking at you. I think yeah, I think it's because you're viewing me, so you yeah. just assume that that everyone else is viewing you. I mean, maybe yeah. one day, we'll, maybe one day we will go into video game. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I don't know. That'd be cool. It could happen. We could do like a public access TV show. It'd be nice to do something when we're out of this pandemic. Did you get your second shot yet? Is that no, I, I got my first one, but I, my second one's not till a uh, couple weeks. Well, I guess we're, we're dealing this in the future. So. That's what I'm saying. Will you have it by now? I think. Cool. Maybe. Congrats. No, eh, I don't know. I think maybe. Do you want to make any more predictions for the future? Um, no, I'm really bad at predicting the future, honestly. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, got, I'm, I mean, I'm a historian you found $20 today? I hope so. That would be nice, actually. <laughs> on the train tracks? You ever find money on the train tracks? You have train tracks in New Jersey? Oh, yeah. Tons of train tracks. Uh, I don't really hang out at them very often, though. Um, it's been a while since I've been around train tracks, but I've never found money that I can recall. As, as a little lad, you didn't uh, walk some tracks? You used to love some train tracks. I mean, I did a little bit, but like, I, I didn't necessarily find any money around them, though. I used to always find money at the train tracks. And a lot of times I would go to the video store uh, that we were just talking about. With said money? Yeah. And I'd get myself a, a little maybe cups and pick up a new release or rent an old favorite. Terminator 2, probably. Rented yeah, that I, I could picture this. I could picture all of this scenario happening. It was so crazy because I was so, as a kid, like just piss my bed, terrified of the villain of Terminator 2, yet would watch the movie constantly. <laughs> Well, I think it's like the excitement of it, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's totally. like an experience, you know? Well, it's good, and they ultimately conquer evil. But it just uh, conceptually, like the T-1000, like anything unstoppable always terrified me as a kid. And uh, you're like, what would I do? Like, what, yeah. what, like, like, what happened? Like, though, they got fucking lucky, and it just happened that they have another Terminator to help them. I'm just some guy. I don't know any robots, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what I would do. So I would just like go to sleep and I would just be like, man, what if he just came smashing through the wall right now? Like a Kool-Aid man. And I mean, uh, that would keep me up a little for a few hours and I'm just like, I don't know, I'm going to bed. So yeah, you know, <laughs> it would be that like thoughts of uh, <laughs> sucks that uh, humanity has to die eventually, you know? Oh yeah. Having, There's all those existential questions. Yeah. Yeah. Which were like way <laughs> more present as a kid. And then I got older where I'm just like, it's going to happen, and uh, i got work tomorrow, so I don't have time for this. <laughs> you have more, more uh, real and present things in front of you. Yes. Um, no, I get that. Yeah. I think Sam, old Sammy Fuller would have liked some existentialism. He probably would have, yeah. I was watching the special features on this Naked Kiss Blu-ray. God, that guy rules. I also learned we've been saying, remember our old friend Daryl Zanuck? Mm-hmm. It's actually Zanuck. Is it? It's Zanuck. Yeah, okay. it's Zanuck. So apologies to the Zanuck estate. We'll try to remember that. I mean, Zanuck sounds more fun to say. We were trying to class it up, but... We want to be real. You know, you it's the old right. Cecil-Cecil debate, and turns out it's Zanuck. Yeah, all along. All along, we caught you. Um, this Criterion Edition has some very interesting artwork from Daniel Klaus, the artist Ghost World. Mm-hmm. Do you like Ghost World the movie? Did you read I love Ghost World the comic? I love Ghost World the movie. I've never read the comic. Okay. But I think but it's a, great, like it's a great movie. movie. It oh, is yeah. a great movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I remember I remember watching that when it came out and I really liked it. And then like it had been years since I saw it. And then I revisited it randomly. It was like a movie channel and I really liked it. And then years down the road, the Criterion put it out and I was like, Oh, I gotta get this. Like this is great. And yeah, I I, I can watch that a couple times in a year and, and 
holds up. Yeah, and be into it. Just great cast. Such a weird... Great uh, director. You like yeah. that guy? Who directed that? I'm trying to... I'm like blanking right now. Terry Zweigoff. Terry Zweigoff, yeah. I like, actually blanked until that moment myself. Yeah, I, like, uh, I, I knew I knew who it was and like my, my brain... I was, needed you to kind of help out a little bit with the brain waves here. Yeah, I'm Terry Zweigoff, he did the Crumb documentary. You ever watch that? I haven't seen that. I have not seen that. I know of it. Uh, it's another Criterion. I have not seen it though. It is another Criterion. I highly recommend that. You, you know, you don't have to like comics to appreciate it just as a great documentary. Him and his wild brothers the whole thing it's really great but then they made uh, art school confidentially did you watch that one i have not seen that no boy i hadn't seen it since i saw it in like a dollar theater when i was living in portland oregon and i hated that movie and i don't i'm afraid to revisit it i'm pretty sure i still would it was it was pretty bad well I, for I, all parties involved i feel really i've had i'm gonna admit right now to you that i uh had a really tough time since last night, since watching this and this morning, grappling with the fact that I just did not like this movie at all. Wow! I just did not like it. I think part of it was, I mean, and I think this does really affect the viewing experience. And I was even telling you last night that like the print that I watched that's free on Prime was as, absolutely awful. As soon as you said that, I said, oh no, because I knew you weren't going to like this movie as a result of it because it's, yeah. it's, it's such a tricky one and it, it kind of requires it to at least be watchable. I, so much of that is why I wonder if I didn't like Too Late for Tears myself. I think we need to really, it's cool that Prime is making some of these available, but it's almost right. just like, just leave that shit on YouTube. It's not worth it because this is also on HBO Max mm-hmm. and it has the Criterion print. I'm pretty sure it's even available in the, the Criterion app itself. Probably. Um, it's worth finding that good print because there's a lot of cool shots. I mean, right away when you open up with Kelly just hitting her pimp with her purse, she's just hitting at the camera. There's cool stuff that you just, you want it to look good. I, I think I even saw, cause I was watching one of the special features mm-hmm. on the Blu-ray and they had, the, it was like some French show and they showed a clip and that print from that clip was so bad. It had a lot of like missing scenes. And I was like, if that's anything close to what you saw, that's a disaster. It was, I think I, I used the phrase borderline unwatchable and I think that's pretty accurate. It was so like some of the, some of the brightness of it was so bright that you actually couldn't even read. If text popped up on the screen, you couldn't read the text. Oh no. It was, it was like that bad. I mean, I was able to watch it. I, I did make it all the way through. There were little things that I liked about it, but in general, I just couldn't, I couldn't get into the, 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 the movie. Like I, I felt like I couldn't get into it, whether it was partly due to the fact of the print or part of the just due of the movie itself. But I, I just didn't find myself engaged in it. Like I, I just didn't feel myself like I was really into it. And, and I wonder again, if that, that had to do with the print or not. I mean, that I'm sure it affected it, but um, yeah, I just didn't, it felt like I was watching like a Roger Corman movie or something. You know, like <laughs> it, it, it felt, it felt very like exploitationist, but like not in like a endearing way or a way that I might enjoy it. It just felt very just eh, not into it, but I, I'm open well, to try movies. Like, let's get into it. We yeah. still got to describe it, Dan. Unless you want to just shut down house right now. No, I, I don't. I, I think you know. Like I said, I, I, you know, I, I understand that people like this movie, and I know you, you know you like the movie too, and and that's why I felt bad. I felt I, like I honestly it quite felt a bit. like I felt I felt guilt because I was just like, why did I? Why don't I like this movie? Um, I, I I almost wanted as soon as you said that it was a bad print to just either try another thing. I was ready to give you my logins if you needed it. Drive uh, over the Blu-ray because <laughs> I, I was afraid of this and screen it out in my backyard on a big screen. Whatever you know, even if we had to do this Zoom and you could just be right on my. I feel like even that would be a better quality than than what Probably. Amazon has available. I don't trust them. It's a it's a tough call to recommend that. Hey, this is streaming there because you got to use your own discretion. And sometimes it works out. Like I know. 
I did Sunset Boulevard there. and It looked fine yeah. on that. They, that one looked fine. Yeah, I mean, I think there's instances where the movie's too big for them not to have a good print of it. But it's actually, I'm shocked that they wouldn't have the criterion available to them or just something yeah or even just like a slightly better print i mean like i I will say this though i was thinking about it the watching that print was almost like an experience of like i felt like i was watching the movie like as a rerun in the 60s on like a black and white television at like three in the morning you know it felt like one of those kind of experiences where you're up you wake up in the morning like oh what's this weird movie that's on tv that you can only kind of see because it's an old black and white tube tv set so i mean that did happen years yeah, so it did, it did add, I guess, a little bit to the vibe of it. So I think right. in some ways it was a little bit of an experience in that I try to look at it in a positive light. But yeah, I mean, well, let's it, see what we got, Dan. I'm gonna, we're going to run down the plot as we do on the show, folks. And you're going to pipe in and be like, hey, there's something I didn't like. And, like I said, there's uh, things I we'll did see. like, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring them up. I'll, 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 I'll admit them. Who do you think you are, Siskel or Ebert? I think I'm more Jay Sherman than anything. <laughs> you don't get to be the critic. I, I want to be him. Yeah. I, oh, I sure. want to say it stinks. You just did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. that's, that's where I strive to be. And you know? I mean, that's, that's where I want to be. So yeah, we opened with that scene with Kelly instantly. She's just hitting at her pimp. And as she's doing it, her hair comes off, which is very shocking. She's mm-hmm. bald. Uh, Samuel Fuller actually wrote in his autobiography that she shaved her head for the opening scene, but she didn't. Uh, she you did. can even see the the bald cap pretty clear. It's pretty, it's pretty clear. You can see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean they I do can, a good I job. I could see it. I could see yeah. it in that bad print. I could see it, it. So enough said. But that's a very cool scene, and she takes her money. She says, "I don't want the seventy dollars that you owe me." Eight hundred dollars, you parasite! I'm taking only what's coming to me. Fifty, sixty, seventy, seventy-five. I'm not rolling you, you drunken leech. I'm taking only the $75 that's coming to me. And then she leaves and we'll find out what was going on with all that a little later. But she's headed to a new town. Kelly's a a prostitute. She's just headed to a new place. We later find out that uh, because of that incident, the pimp, he, uh, what was his name? Do you remember? Uh, good question. Because he comes up at the end. During the uh, the murder investigation, he comes again. But fortunately, don't remember his name. Peanuts. Is it? No. Who was Peanuts? Yeah, that was, was somebody like else. one of the kids, I think, wasn't he? I don't even anyway. remember now. Anyway. Barrett, the pimp. We can call no, him. Call him pimp. He, uh, he's, he's connected with some mob bosses and had made sure that if they had seen her around, they're going to throw acid in her face. Mm-hmm. So that's a good reason to leave town. She heads to Grantville. So she's already been to a couple places so far. She's pretty weathered. She heads in and makes contact with grant or griff you griff. got griff and grant There's griff and grant yeah a bit of that tough. not only that but they're pals but griff pops up she has like this champagne scheme to tie together with like being a prostitute like that's the opener yeah it costs ten dollars for a bottle he gives a 20 and this is where you get i never make change which is a good time yes uh, yeah i definitely like i do appreciate some of the like the ways that they got around talking about maybe some of these taboo or difficult topics at the time. Like I do give them credit Absolutely. for the dialogue where it was very tongue in cheek in a way. And yeah. And, and, and like as I, we mentioned with uh, pick up on South street, which was also directed by Samuel Fuller, he mm-hmm. was a reporter. So he, you know, he has a good ear for dialogue and he really liked being around people that were 
more of the criminal element because he really respected how everyone's just trying to make a buck. You know, that's yeah. all any, anybody is. So he preferred to be in the company of that element and he, he understood that. So that's why he was more interested in following a woman who's a prostitute as opposed to any other flowery subject you may see. And he's also very into self-referential uh, things, like especially in this movie. I mean, He between, comes into town yeah. and you see on the marquee shot Corder is playing, which also has Constant Towers in it. Yeah, which I thought was like a little bit weird because I knew she was in that too. And I was like, that's weird. Yeah, it's a good time. Oh, also, at one point, she's reading a book that is he wrote. Yeah, he wrote, yeah. I see you, Samuel Fuller. I see yeah, you. He's not trying to hide. He's just having a snoky yeah. and, and having a great time. Sunglasses uh, on. As you should be. Cool guys wear cool sunglasses. And that's why I don't, I don't own sunglasses because I'm not a cool guy. I'm sorry to hear that, Dan. You got sunglasses? <laughs> my glasses get stuck in my headphones. Are they prescription? Hey! Oh, yes, yeah. oh yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, these I, I knew. I actually recently oh. had broke my long-standing pair of sunglasses. I uh, oh. sat on them. Shout out, to, shout out to Butts. And uh, <laughs> was forced to get a new pair. Got me these Warby Parkers. And now I'm going to do the rest of the podcast in sunglasses, folks. So if it sounds a little cooler from here on out. <laughs> we'll know why. why. You know why. And I'm already pretty cool for a gentleman. I was going to say, I, I, you, you, I think the coolness already, like the level's already up already. I, I can already feel it. Absolutely. Welcome to the show. If we're dealing with prostitutes and all sorts of very, very sensitive subjects in this movie that, you know, yes. even now would be tough to go at from a Hollywood perspective. So, uh, oh, yeah. It's a very brave movie for sure. And I think the subject matter is well handled. Well, what I, what I also found interesting was, and I, didn't, I guess I just didn't realize it, that distributor, Allied Artist Pictures Corporation, I didn't realize that they were actually, they came out of Monogram. I just, I guess I never put that together that that was like, they, you know, Monogram was, you know, they're basically like the continuation of Monogram. So that kind of made a little bit more sense about the low budgetness of, of the film in general. That made a lot more sense to me after I learned that. Um, well, Samuel Fuller, you know, he he definitely loved being a B-movie director. You know, yeah. he always got his films done within four weeks, nothing over a million dollars. Like when the industry changed in the later 60s and absolutely in the 70s when he didn't work much, he, he struggled with that. Yeah. Because it was all A-movies. Nobody wanted Bs anymore. Yeah. So Griff, he sleeps with Kelly. Mm-hmm. And instantly is just like, hey, you know what? Why don't you go head over to the, the cat house across the state line? I run the trouble out of town and I got a good deal going over there with uh, candy. Yeah, so, I, that's what I thought. I mean, there's a lot of like insidious stuff that goes on that like we're, I mean, I get it for the plot, but it was just very weird to me like that. Yeah, I hit this, you got this cop who's like, it was like a captain or something like that. And, he, and he's like, I don't know, he's just has all these schemes and stuff like that. It was, I don't know, it was very weird to me. He's a piece of shit. He's a cop, yeah. you know? You should always be wary yeah. of that. He's judged this book by its cover right off the bat. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, like, he instantly was just like, hey, go over there. You know, go across the river or whatever. And Kelly feels it. Immediately after sleeping with him, you know, she takes it all in. She's looking at herself in the mirror, catching a, a wrinkle, just saying, I'm done with this life. I'm over it. This was a, a one and done. Everything changes from here on out. Mm-hmm. So she becomes a nurse at the, the hospital for handicapped children. There's also uh, some great signs throughout the movie, but there's a, they say they have a fashion show for handicapped children. And when you come into the town and that's pretty striking, you don't see that every day. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I couldn't really read the sign. So I had no idea what it wrote. I honestly oh. could not read it. So. Fair enough, Dad. I'm here to tell you that there's some fun text in this movie that really would have <laughs> contextualized some of this for you and, and could have helped. I feel like it would have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. 
yeah it, it was weird like because it because yeah like i said i mean even something like that like the banner you see at the beginning and the end of the movie that's like, the banner yeah that's yeah literally yeah literally i mean yeah but like literally like you, you just see it and you're like yep that's a banner <laughs> it says it something is, it's a good banner yeah you okay. were able to at least see the shock quarter shout out you know they made sure that that made it through i did i did i think it was just because the black text and the way it was shot because i think it was like really like i said like where the light really showed through on it i guess however they did that from when they're projecting or whatever in the print just where it was like the, where the background was all very white it just kind of washed it out yeah it was a, it was a bummer it was like one of the one of the worst prints i've ever i've ever seen fair of enough any, of anything yeah that's how i felt about too late for tears you should be almost even just dip in on the amazon print just to see how bad it is like there's frames missing Oh man, yeah, I, I think, I, and that, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I think this and Too Late for Tears we almost need to revisit on another episode where we both watch the good versions and see if we could change each other's minds. Yeah, that would that'd be interesting. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, you know, hey, if anyone saw it on Amazon, see if you agree with Dan, or maybe you just or you agree with Dan and say, hey, this is just a bad movie. It doesn't matter how good it looks; it's a piece of shit. Yeah, well, I, and that, that's true. I think I at least want you to. You know? I would love to see you, have you see a nice version and then still be like, wow, that's a nice looking bad movie. You know? <laughs> I've seen lots of nice looking bad movies in my day. So, cause I can't completely, I I'm wary of the print and I think that had a lot to do with it, but also I can't discredit that. It's just a, a weird fucking movie. Uh, yeah. You know, it has a very bizarre tone, especially with the handicapped yes. children. It's very just kind of whimsical. There's, there's singing songs. in it. Yeah. yeah there's exactly. lots of singing in it. Yeah. But I mean, I think it helps contrast like the life that she wants. That's like a more pure life as opposed right. to what she's coming from. Because every time you go to like Candy's place or anything to do with uh, old Captain Griff. And then, you know, even you get go to Grant and it seems like a nice place. But we later learn it's, it's not so nah, nice. Over there. Yeah. All that's very dark and seriously played. Yeah. I, and, and for that, I, I do appreciate that it's, it's that idea in the same way that like, maybe like a Blue Velvet would play it, where it's like that idyllic. Any town USA that of the fifties and sixties of like what people wanted for like a, a nice life at the t- especially at that time right. and there's this like seedy underbelly under it and and for that I do appreciate it. and I I do like the brutality in this film I mean that sounds weird to say but like especially with her like that's some of the, always like, what's great and yes yeah. absolutely the stuff that sticks out and what really makes it a classic in my yes. mind is the brutality and I think that plays so well with the contrast because if it was that one level we wouldn't even be here today discussing this movie right if, if she's not stuffing money down a uh, candy's scene, throat yeah. then we're, we're not even here to, to discuss anything but that's one of the best scenes of any noir ever i love i it. actually i mean i watched these all alone and i i i literally like i don't even remember what i said but i like it was like a gasp or so I did some type of audible like noise when I was just like, wow, like what? Like, absolutely. Like, like that whole, that whole scene, like, cause you saw it boiling up. I mean, we'll get there, but of course, um, but yes, that, that, and, that and she, she's always ready to fly off and, and get violent, which I love. I mean, you know, we opened the movie with her just hitting this pimp with the purse yeah. violently. Um, I, I mean, Samuel Filler, like, I love his violence. Like, I, it's one of the best things about, it. I mean, that fight scene at the end of pickup on South street, still thinking about it. It's, it's incredible. He just has a very great eye for that kind of realism. And it's nice to see it in this context where no one's really beating up on Kelly. She's the one doing the beating, you know? Yes. And that's, that's great. That's a lot of fun. She also gets some rooming, some housing. This is another sign you may have missed where it says pleasant room for rent. I did see that. Yes. Okay. That made it through. Good. I, I like, I like that the, the, this podcast would be like, what did you actually 
see in the film which do not see <laughs> yes we're i mean we're really basically just reviewing the amazon print versus the criterion print yes. and you know i think we know criterion's always gonna win they do 100 the best work of anybody i think i was just a little bit like i bought a lot of movies i even i uh is it partake i tar- partaken in uh partook? partook yeah partook in the uh the recent the four for 44 sale at uh at uh, one archive so i i was yes. i bought a bunch of movies recently i was like i don't know if i want to buy yet another one i understand um, it's a tough call i don't fault you i, I understand everything that happened I, I picked this up for this viewing and i'm glad i did i was gonna get into this before with daniel Klaus. he does such great artwork for this and it's all looks very right pulp, pulpy yeah yeah and, but i mean i think it plays more into like the whimsical tone of it more so than the brutal tone and I mean, I love Dan Klaus. I'm a big comic book guy. His last comic, Patience, I recommend. Uh, some time-traveling crime. Very cool stuff. I mean, his art will always blow me away. It's mm. just a weird tone for this particular movie. Yeah, um, and he did the artwork for the Criterion for Shot Quarter, too, I believe, right? Yes, he did, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, which I am looking forward to seeing after this. I'm, mm. I'm a real Sam Fuller zone right now. I would say you're, you're in it now. I know. I don't know what we're going to be covering from here on out, but as far as my personal life, we're going to continue our relationship. So she goes to this room that's available for Miss Josephine, the seamstress, who was played by Betty Bronson. And some fun facts about her. She was Peter Pan in the 1924 silent film, personally chosen by J.M. Barry when she was 17. Changed her life. Wow. There's a lot of uh, fun people from film history in this. Like Candy was played by someone who, who came from the silent film era. And she had a on and off again relationship with Clark Gable. Wow. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we're wrapping stuff up. But yeah, there's some great, all the women prostitutes are all, all great in this. Uh, the people you meet at Candy's place. I don't remember what the place was called. Did it have a name? It did. Well, they, I mean, they were, they were quote unquote bonbon girls. Bonbon uh, girls, yes, that's correct. Yeah, but I, I really liked, uh, what was it? Hat Rack was one of the names. Yeah. Like, like what? Great um, names. Uh, you got Angel Face. Angel Face, yeah. I'm blanking on the other ones. But I know. Those are uh, two, like, the main ones, Dusty. Though. Dusty was Dusty, one. Dusty, yeah. Great names, great people. And you got to imagine, like, he probably knew, Sam Fuller knew a hat rack in his life. You know, it probably didn't come from anywhere. And she gets the, the place. Charlie, was that the guy's name? Yeah, the, uh, the, mannequin. the mannequin. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? I know you had trouble with the text, but did you notice he was credited in the credits in the beginning? I did not notice that. It says no. Char- Charlie in quotes as himself. <laughs> no, I didn't see that. No. And you're instantly glowing like, who's Charlie? See, I'm writing a sternly worded letter to Amazon Prime, and they're you should to me. Yeah. I think I was also a little bit fixated on on what was going behind the the credits in the beginning, because uh, you're just seeing her face. Yes, where uh, she's adjusting her yes. wig. Uh, I was kind of fixated on her a little bit more so than the credits. As you should be. As you should be. Uh, that's a great point, uh, and that's a great great credit scene. I would, mm. We should have pointed that out. I'm sorry. Okay. You're, wa- you're watching the movie. You felt it. You don't need me to point it out. I got yeah. sunglasses on. What do you want from me? <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too cool to point that out. Hey! <laughs> so she gets the place. She's rooming with Charlie. There's a lot of fun stuff with that mannequin. I like him. I'm glad he's there. Griff is still coming up, and he doesn't like prostitutes. He, he wants to keep his town clean. He's trying to run her out, but everyone loves her. She was able to, she's able to get the place without some references and the job. Mm-hmm. She's got what it takes and she's great with these children. She sings songs with them. She's uh, tough on them, but in a way that, that helps them. Exactly. She's, they 
show a scene where she's with one of the kids you know, and she's being real tough with them, but it's, it's getting everything done. He's playing along. He likes that he's being treated with respect and not right. as a, a kid and especially a kid who's handicapped. So mm-hmm. yeah, she's really great with them. A theme that comes up is being able to pretend you can pretend yourself into what you want, the life you want, you know? So there's a dream sequence where all the kids are able to run around. Like they're not handicapped and be free of their shackles and braces and yes, all of that. And, just run and enjoy the the sunshine of the day. And, you know, there's another scene where she's with uh, Grant who we're about to to meet. She's able to picture herself in Paris. Mm-hmm. Some nice dream sequences. Yes. So she's doing great with the kids. And J.L. Grant comes into play. He's the the wealthy man of town. Uh, his great, his grandfather was the one who kind of yeah, established the town. Like yeah, yeah. I don't know if he was a great grandfather or a great grandfather, but yes, either we way, never, we may never know. We may never know. I mean, he somehow his genes produce this piece of shit, so he couldn't have been that great. Yeah, he runs the town. He's best friends with Griff. I believe there's a newspaper headline saying that Grant saved Griff. In, like, in I mean, that's, that's quite a headline. I couldn't read that if it was. Of there. course, I'm, I'm I'm trying to reference text with you. I'm so yeah. sorry. I'm pretty sure it, there's a headline that okay. says that that establishes that, which is cool but i don't know if i'd frame that I'd be like why are you keeping that around reminding me yeah that happened that's not cool man but she comes in and charms him you know even though griff is there the whole time trying to be against it at one point when he finds out that they're gonna get married he says i'm gonna give you like a 10 minutes to get out of town yeah town yeah I'll, I'll make something up and she calls him and she's like he already knows about all this and he's cool with it yeah and, i will say this and i'm not even just saying this as like a high tech that dude, Grant, creeped me out from, like, the minute I saw that dude. Absolutely. Like, like you know, he, he creeped me out through the entire movie. Yes. Though, good news about him, uh, Constance Towers had nice things to say about him and his acting. Uh, he was also a former professional minor league baseball player. Really? Yes. Interesting. I got, he looks like he could be a baseball player. Yes. He's from Connecticut as well, so shout oh, there out you go. to my Connecticut brethren. Michael Dante? Michael Dante. Thanks for playing a real fucking creep in this movie, huh? But he was born Ralph Vitti. See, there you go. That explains everything. Yeah, he's so, decent on movies, yeah. He did good, yeah. They're going to get married. All is going well. Josephine helps with the dress, as does Charlie. And she goes over to, to show Grant the dress. She said, I'm not superstitious. You know, everything's going to be okay. Heads over to show him the dress. And then she sees a, a child with him that he was planning to molest. Yes. And things get super heavy from here. A movie that was already... Well, all right, hold on. We did skip past the, the candy when she heads to Candy's place. So, yeah. Sorry, sorry to jump around on you guys, but, you know, the cool scene's coming up. And, you know, we only want to get so deep into the <laughs> child abuse aspect of this. That's not fun. But it happens. And, you know, good for them for tackling this. So it's done very respectful, for sure. Was it Dusty? Who's the one that was going to become a bonbon girl? So... It was. It was not Bad her. The names on this one. It was it Buff. Was That's who it was. It was. It was Buff, Buff. Yes, of course. Buff has a date with someone. Was it with Griff? No, it was just some other guy. Just um, some guy. Yeah, yeah. So she was another. She was another nurse with. Yes. Um, she's with got Candace. a great repertoire with everybody. You got that. You got Mac as well as the head nurse, and she's kind of yeah. like a you know like a fun time, real mouthy. Yeah, but yeah, it, it was it was weird because. Buff was a weird character for me because I, I didn't get like where like 
I don't know. I, I, I was just very confused by Buff in general as a character. But Really? Yeah, I don't know. Just throughout the film, it was very weird. I mean, even I don't want to get too far ahead with the ending with her talking, you know, trying to be a character witness and stuff like that. That's, We're so close to that, Dan. We'll yeah, we are. One moment. Yeah. So Buff goes on that date and, you know, she's kind of swayed from her life as a nurse, which can only pay so well. She's able, she goes to, maybe they had a date there or something, but basically she ends up with Candy offering her $25, 10, 10, 5. And she says, you could be making like 300 or $400 a week there. She's going to be a bonbon girl. Kelly hears that and she does not like that whatsoever. She does not want her friend to become a prostitute. She's barely just getting out of the life herself. So she heads over to Candy's and, you know, asks where she is. That's where we get to meet a lot of the bonbon girls. There's a lot Let's of see, some, some of the, yeah, some of the things going on between them and the, and the fun the, back the and forth there. Yeah. Loved it. Great time. Yeah. So great back and forth. One of the patients grabs Kelly, but you know, she holds her own. She gets out of it. Candy comes and says, let's head to your office where she instantly just throws her down and stuffs the money in her mouth. <laughs> 10, 10 and five. You stay away from Buff. And then hits her with her purse because she's so good at that. And then leaves and it's amazing. It's such a good, good, visceral noir scene. Love it. And it was able to convince Dan that, hey, I like this scene at least. I did. No, I, I did. I think that was probably the most um, engaging scene for me. Like, I, I, I really... Absolutely. I think that was the best part of her performance in the film. Uh, yes. Just like like overall, because I think it really sold the idea of like she was really kind of she had like i guess some some type of she wanted to help her friend and she felt like her friend was very vulnerable and she was kind of stepping in and saying like i I don't want her to necessarily get into this life the loyal person she's looking out especially having come from this lifestyle she knows what it entails and what it leads to Mm -hmm. and she says you can you know you can do better and she ends up pregnant too doesn't she she does Yes. yes and kelly says you know hey leave town here's a bunch of money don't become a prostitute just head out and you're going to be happy don't get an abortion they even say abortion they don't yeah they don't work around it she does right by her and she's loyal and she's great to everyone and boy if that's not about to turn on her completely yeah you know know, you're about to crack at the facade of this nice town and the nice dream of it because this it shows that you just can't fall into that or trust that because it's it is you know it's almost as pretend and make believe as you know all the other yeah it doesn't exist it doesn't exist exactly and neither does the this perfect man grant because yes now we've seen that he is a a child molester i mean even the even the scene with kelly and grant kind of like i won't even call it falling in love just like the weird like where they were on the couch together and he was showing her the the movies and like they were kind of real the real yeah just the weird like she kind of like, she does put up that fight because I, I think at first she like does, she's, I feel like she's probably a little bit, at least a little bit repulsed by him too. Well, um, absolutely. She, and this yeah. is, that's, that's the naked kiss because it's, it's a prostitute term where you, your first instinct is that you're like, this is not good. And then you're like, you know what? I think it's going to be okay. What could go so wrong? He's rich. Everything's great. And then when you later find out, no, you were right the entire time. You have to listen to your first instinct. That's essentially what the naked kiss means. And, at least and that's they, what she's feeling at that moment. And they give it, and it's great. There's so many silent moments where Fuller just leaves it up to Constance Towers to just her performance, and not even just like by uh, verbally, just her, how she's emoting has to carry so much. And 
boy, if you're watching a Criterion print, it looks beautiful and uh, <laughs> is effective. <laughs> well, at least, at least she does say the naked kiss and explains that in the movie. So yeah, if, 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 for, if for nothing else, she actually does say the title of the movie in the movie, which you always got to love. Yes. And uh, actually, it used to be referred to as the Iron Kiss, but they thought the naked kiss would mark it better. And, oh, yeah. At that time, for sure. I mean, everything was about sensationalizing stuff. So anything that could, anything that had the word naked in it, they were like, oh, yeah, people are going to instantly going to want to see this. Well, and that's the thing with Fuller being a journalist. You know, he's all about that newspaper yeah. sensationalism. Eye-catching, yeah. And knows how to sell it. And that's where he's so effective. Definitely. She is able to catch this in time. The little girl runs away and she hits him you know she grant's whole thing is like hey you know coming from the life that you came from you're the only one who would kind of understand me and accept that i have this problem so everything's going to be perfect and she says no i'm going to actually give you the old phone murder add this to our letterbox of phone murders put it with detour yes that's a good point yeah we also have a drifter she's a drifter so you know this this is here the the, the tropes are they're there it's great. Good times. So she murders him with one good swift hit of the phone, but we've seen her with that purse. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. She's she, got a real she muscle can, for this. She can hit, yeah. She does. Um, And Costas Towers just has such a great face for this. I know in Shock Corridor, she plays a, like a, a similar, like a hooker role or stripper role, uh, rather. I don't know. She just has a very weathered face. It, it, it really is quite effective in this. Mm-hmm. So she calls the cops to say, hey, he's dead and he's a bad guy. But of course, with Griff being the captain of the police force, she ends up in jail and doesn't believe her. And he's been a piece of shit this whole time. So why would we believe that anything's going to work out all of a sudden? Yeah. So as she's in jail, like all of these people come in because he's trying to find a character witness and everyone turns on her. Yeah. I was just saying like, I like that it basically became like a, like a mock court throughout, <laughs> like with like bringing in different people and kind of like trying her while she's physically in the jail. Like that just seemed really bizarre to me. I get it. But like, it just seemed very weird to me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, even when, when, when like the motivation of Buff coming in, I got, I know she was probably a little bit intimidated by Candy. Well, I think you but, get the pimp first, right? The pimp yeah. Come, so well, he comes in first. Cause yeah. of course it's, it's uh Griff's instinct to be like, well, you're a prostitute. So let's get your pimp. And he's at first, you know, he's still Griff, you know, he's still a dick at this point of the investigation and you kind of see him kind of wear down as time goes on. But yeah, the pimp is lies about the story, but this is where Kelly reveals that, she was drugged by him and you know because she fought back he was threatened yeah yeah and and he shaved her hair yeah which is why she was bald in the beginning because the beginning takes place three years ago we find out yeah at least us with the criterion edition found out that it was three years ago no i knew Um, that it was in the past yeah i do i I think i thought it was two years was am i wrong i thought you are it's three years yeah okay I'll, I'll edit this out if, if not, but <laughs> <laughs> I would love that at the end. <laughs> All of a sudden it's the quickest episode. Like, wow, he was wrong about most of that. That yeah. Amazon print was correct. <laughs> either, either that or it's the changing of the voice where it's like, uh, yeah, it, you're definitely right. It was two minutes. <laughs> yes. Dan is right. As usual. Well, two, two, <laughs> two <years>. minutes, <laughs> two years, not two minutes. I was trying to add more. Uh, Yes. Okay. Incongruency. Yeah. So after the first scene, two minutes later, she's on a bus to a new town and she grows her head of hair completely. Good call, Dan. <laughs> oh, it says two years. <laughs> two <laughs> minutes. <laughs> you oh. said minutes the whole time. Okay. Yes. Anyway. So yeah, the prostitute and uh, the pimp. Sorry. Um. You know that's where we find out that he was going to throw acid in her face. We find her, and now of course, hey, way to go, Grift. He's found her. Way to have that danger in the room. 
And then Buff also comes in as well. It was Buff before or after Candy. I can't remember. So Candy came first, I think. Okay, so Candy comes in, and of course, she just had money stuffed in her mouth, so she is happy to turn on. Yeah, she Kelly makes up and, a whole story and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Like how they're going to start like a whole blackmailing ring. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, she has such a checkered past, it's easy to make up easy lies about her. Right. And then when Candy has a moment alone with Kelly, she says, Nobody shoves dirty money in my mouth. And it's like, yeah, you know, hey, you, you can't deny that, that out of everyone to turn on you, this is the one. You just stuff the money in her mouth in front yeah. of everybody. She don't like that. And then Buff comes in and Buff is, is worried what people would think about her because she doesn't want to reveal that she's, Hey, I almost became a prostitute. And I also think she was very intimidated by Candy. Like, I think I got that. I got more of that sense that like, like, cause she's standing right there staring her down and, and, and she feels intimidated by her too. I think a little bit. Well, having to lie in front of her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, she could have said the truth. I mean, if she said the truth, then, then can't, you know, who knows what Candy would have done to her. You know what I mean? I guess she later grapples with that in bed when she's she's crying and holding on to her father's picture. Oh, and another great text thing you may have missed is when this murder comes out, they show everyone reading the paper, but instead of showing the headlines, they have it like one word at a time cutting from each scene. That's really cool. Was that, that effective for you? No, not at all. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I th- and that's one of the first things. I think it I, was even like white font. So like I could see the text. No. I could see how that didn't make it. Through. I literally couldn't read any of the words that it's, were on there. It's so cool. It just tells word by word like the headline prostitute yeah and it was like also like oh boy you feel bad for the one person who's reading the paper and prostitute is imposed over them yeah (laughs) now we're mostly just looking for the little girl who was with grant and here's you (laughs) kelly sees some kids playing outside of the jail you know you see this trope in movies a lot where like there's a window and there's people outside i remember this from the mask the jim carrey movie where like you (laughs) know the dogs there. there's like some window we can communicate with the outside world it's like I, that's never gonna happen exactly that that was another thing i was just like i was around whole, in the yeah. 60s so you know what maybe it was but just as far as i know you're not able to just be a criminal and talk to people specifically children you know you don't have the the, the local jail by the playground but yeah i thought that was very odd that was a bit odd but she does find the girl and you know, she just happens to be playing by there. And she's like, hey, girl, hey, hey, Griff, go get that girl. The girl comes in and she's instantly, like, just rough with her. Like, you know, hey, I'm on trial for murder. You better fix this. Yeah. And that was a little weird because it's just like she just was showing how she was so good with kids. Yeah. Or like, I guess maybe they just need to be, you know, have a problem with them that she's able to relate to them. Although I guess they also showed that she was using a little tough love too. But I think she was just very desperate. I, I think I think it was the desperation. Yeah, you know? it is the desperation. But I, in the beginning too, though, they do show that she, you know, she tries to like help a baby with a bottle and stuff. She has a tough time with kids, and they reveal that she's unable to have any kids herself too. So there is a bit of that. But Griff is able to say, you know, hey, you gotta throw a little. Also, you're a nurse. You know, you gotta have a little bedside manner here. Yeah, for Maybe sure. Maybe you want to try this again. And so she does, and the kid's like, oh, yeah, old Uncle Grant, and gets yeah. into it and tells this horrific story about how they had a game and can't tell anybody, you know, the typical yeah. stuff that is not fun to go into, but also is important to, to show in a movie sometimes. And yeah, it turns out Kelly's okay. She's exonerated. They let her off the hook. And as soon as she's released, she's outside and all of town is there in the square. And so you see all these people who that she you know, loved and they even like the ones that she was closest with, Josephine and Mac, the head nurse, 
you know, they're all there and they, they cry and kiss a goodbye and, and Buffy, you know, apologizes and, but everything's changed at this point. You, you can't stick around town. So she has to leave. Yeah. And so, you know, it shows that that perfect life and that perfect town that she wanted. It, it's, it's not real. It is, it is just an illusion and it doesn't matter. You know, in the same sense that they're judging her book by its covers, she was guilty of doing the same, just in a different light. Very, very much so. So she leaves town and she heads on the bus to her next destination and us to our next movie. Well, Dan, I'm sorry you uh, didn't have as good of a time with, with The Naked Kiss, but it sounds like you were able to like some things, but I wasn't completely reprehensible, but it would have been nice if it was a nice print of you being able to see specifically which uh, dollars were being stuffed into the mouth. Yes, definitely. Yeah, you know, I think with anything, like, usually I can find something good. Like, you know, it, it's hard for me. Like, I just, because, I mean, I love movies, like, in general. Like, I, I love movies. And, and obviously you like some more than others. But, yeah, I, I had a tough time getting into the movie. But, I mean, there are other things I can appreciate it and some of the subtext to it. Yeah, I can certainly appreciate things about it. And, and I did. You know, I think it's true. I mean, yeah, it was definitely tough, even tougher, uh, trying to enjoy it with a bad print. So I will say that the viewing experience does play a role, I think, in, in how you feel about a movie, for sure. I think we could have raised this from like a, like a C minus to like a B minus for you. If I was watching a better print, you think? Yeah. Or am I off with my lettering grades completely? I think maybe a C plus. You I did? Think, oh, I, I oh so we went from C minus to C plus. I like that. Because I feel like when we started this episode, I think you may have not liked it as much as you did by the time you've come out of this episode. And I think that's good. Yeah. And no, like I said, I, I, I try to see, you know, Things that, things that can be good in any movie. I, I think, like I said, I think I, I had like a little bit of an expectation going in about about it. And like, I think- I expected some, it to look good. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's true. Um, I, I think I, I kind of knew a little bit about what I was getting into as far as like Samuel Fuller and, and the vibe of the movie. And I think that's partially why I kind of avoided it for so long. I think I, I, I had like, I guess I had some type of like, maybe like aversion to it for whatever reason. But yeah, I, I just, like I said, it felt- it felt amateurish, but in a way where like I didn't expect it to feel that way. Like I said, it felt like more like I was watching like an exploitation film more than anything. It didn't feel like an art film as much. And I think that's sometimes I, I get that feeling, especially with a criterion. Like, I mean, yeah, obviously there's, there's varying degrees of it, but and it is opinion, too. But yeah, I mean, there's things that I did like about it. I, I'm not going to completely just trash it. So. All right. So Siskel says thumb to the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No shit getting wavy. <laughs> a little pinky on it, too. Yeah. I'm okay with this review. I I, I think it, when you started, I was more worried, but I, I like where you're at now. Okay. We That's have good. a way of talking about these things. Like, I felt like with this Too Late for Tears, too, where I'm like, ah, I didn't like it. By the end, of it, I'm like, eh, it was the worst, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's You just got to talk too. it out, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's perspective. You got to, you know, our, our own unique perspectives reveal things that, to the other that may be helpful. I learned a lot. All right. Would, would you like to learn some more, Dan? I, I always love to learn more. All right. Let's see. Oh, yeah, I was watching one of the special features on this and had Constant Towers, who's still alive. And I keep saying constant mm-hmm. instead of Constance. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's that constant tower that's is, there. Well, there is a constant tower in the movie. She's in every single shot, by the way. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of focus on her. Um, but yeah, I was watching one of the special features and she's like talking about how she's from Montana, which I thought was cool. You know, just being small town Montana and being able to make it. But she, oh, then I was reading more into it. And it's like, she left Montana pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. It was also, she was discovered in the first grade when talent scouts were visiting Montana, looking for child actors for radio programs. Hmm. And she did a lot of work in the Pacific Northwest uh, doing that. 
before moving to New York, where she attended Juilliard and was discovered by a film agent. And everything kind of went well for her. She had to read with Jack Lemmon and got signed to a contract with Harry Cohn at Columbia Pictures. She worked with Fuller pretty quickly in her career doing Shot Corridor and later this, but she also worked with John Ford as well. I do, I do like John Ford a lot. Love John Ford. I, yes. I wish we could get a way to do him on this, but you know, that's for our Western podcast. I would say that or, or I'll, I'll find a way. I'll, fi- I'll find a movie that we, can, we could argue. <laughs> I'm, I'm always down for that. And speaking of John Ford and Westerns, our, our old friend, Michael Dante from Connecticut, he was a big Western fan himself growing up. Mm-hmm. And when he met in the 70s, he met John Wayne, who was a hero to him as a child. Mm-hmm. And they actually became friends and they did a charity event together and they were co-hosting events all the way up till his death in 1979, John mm-hmm. Wayne's death. And he was also a frequent extra on the original Star Trek. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. He's there somewhere as an I'll extra. Just say, I'm trying to remember because like, I love the original Star Trek. It's been a while since I watched it though. So I'll have, to, I'll have to go back and watch it. I think it's on like Netflix or Hulu or something like I, I saw. I think like, it's probably on both. Although I know yeah. now that Paramount Plus is like a thing, they might be taking that stuff away. It was the other day, man. I just okay. saw it. Like it was very recent. I, was, I, was so, I think I was so surprised. I was like, wow, I need to come back to this because I need to like rewatch it. Do you have this. the Blu-ray? I think I, I have one of the seasons of Blu-ray. I think I randomly got like one of the last, like the last season. I think I got the third season of Blu-ray, like randomly. That's very um, random. Yeah. But I know. I mean, growing up, I love that show. Like I, I honestly, like I was more of an indoor kid than an outdoor kid. Really? Um, yeah. Might be surprising. But I remember summers, uh, Sci-Fi Channel used to do marathons on weekdays all day long of just all Star Trek. So I would literally just watch old Star Trek. I would wake up. Was this when show. it was before being S-Y-F-Y? Yes, probably. It was, I mean, this is like, I was in high school. so I think like, that's how you know when the channel is watchable because it all yeah. changed after that. But sci-fi used to be like such a, a network in my life. Yeah. I remember on Saturdays, they would show anime, like Saturday yeah. mornings. And I got, you know, I saw Akira for the first time that way. I mean, it just... It was a cool channel. Yeah, and, and Mystery Science Mystery Theater. Theater yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it had so much, I remember they would show uh, the, the 70s Incredible Hulk a lot too, mm. which I'm a big fan of. Outer Limits and, and Twilight yeah. Zone and, you know. All, yeah, they all would do stuff. those ma- yeah. uh, Twilight Zone marathons and like Thanksgiving, I think it was. like Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Where they would show every episode. Yeah, really a great network that, I don't know what happened. Viacom probably, right? Now they're showing like Sharknado like 10 or something. <laughs> Viacom Dios, brah. Viacom Dios. Yeah, yeah a lot of is. these actors from this movie, they did a lot of extra work, especially the ones that came from silent film. They did extra work. They, you know, they really were just taking it easy, not trying to be major players. I mean, I don't know how true that is of um, Dante, but certainly with Virginia Gregg who played Candy. And yeah, as I alluded to before, she had an on again, off again relationship with Clark Gable in the forties. And she, everyone kind of expected them to get married and it never happened. And she was even like waiting for him pretty much Mm -hmm. her whole life and never got married herself. It's never happened. She worked in silent films starting at age 10 and one of her earliest babysitters was Gloria Swanson from Sunset Boulevard. Wow. Nice connection there. Yes. We've been able to connect them pretty decently. And then we also had Mac, the head nurse, who was played by Patsy Kelly. And she played a lot of brash, wisecracking roles. She was a sidekick to Thelma Todd uh, in short comedy films in the the 30s before they split up. And Mm -hmm. she was known as the queen of wisecracks. (laughs) That's all I got, Dan. Cool. Yeah, I was going to say, I I was trying to think if I had anything else. But yeah, I'm looking, but I don't think I had anything. I think, uh, yeah, this was just a weird movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was just a very weird movie. <laughs> it is a weird movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it can't be denied. I mean, even if you're on my side of the fence of someone who loves it, it's definitely very, very weird. And I mean, I think Shop Quarter is also going to be weird. I think that's good, the weirder of the two, but mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'll report back. But yeah, I, I wonder. I think there might be some more folders to come, but for the most part, these are, we've done the noirs. Yeah. So I think we'll be moving on at least for a bit, but it was, it was good to see him and uh, definitely have a newfound appreciation. This was the latest movie we did in 1964. So we'll see. Yeah, I'll we say we got on the, we were getting on the cusp right now. I know we got one up to 1965. So we'll see what else comes from this era, but you know, Hey, I think you're going to like next week, Dan, we got a sure thing. We've, we've alluded to this for a while and here we are much like we finally delivered our out of the pot, out of the pocket, out of the past episode. Yeah. What, what could be left, huh? For the lads. Well, we got 1944's Double Indemnity. I killed Dietrichson. Me, Walter Neff, insurance agent. 35 years old, unmarried, no visible scars. Until a while ago, that is. Yeah, I killed him. I killed him for money and for a woman. It all began last May. I was thinking about that dame upstairs and the way she had looked at me. And I wanted to see her again, close, without that silly staircase between us. How could I have known that murder can sometimes smell like honeysuckle? I can't stand it anymore. What if they do hang me? They're not going to hang you, baby. It's better than going on this way. They're not going to hang you, because you're going to do it and I'm going to help you. Yes, from the moment they met, it was murder. Always behind them with his devilish hunches and his brilliant brain was Keyes. The murder's never perfect. Always comes apart sooner or later. And where two people are concerned, it's usually sooner. Could they get away from him and his relentless pursuit? And could they get away with murder? You don't know Keyes. Once he gets his teeth into something, he never lets go. He'll investigate you. He'll have you shattered. He'll watch you every minute from now on. You afraid, baby? Yes, I'm afraid. But not of Keyes. I'm afraid of us. I'd like to move in on her right now, tonight. If it wasn't for Norton and his striped pants ideas about company policy, I'd have the cops after her so quick it'd make a head spin. Now, we know the Dietrichson dame is in it and uh, somebody else. Only I haven't got a single thing to go on, Keys. He'll show. He's got to show. Sometimes, somewhere, they've got to meet. I've been looking forward to this one, I think, probably since we started the podcast, honestly. Well, especially the early episodes, it kept coming up at it to the point yeah. where it's just like, we just got to throw this one on. And I, I, think it's, I think it's necessary. Um, you got, do you have this one on blue already? Oh, uh, you can bet <laughs> a lot of money that I do. Yes, I do. Absolutely. I have one of the, uh, like the newer like anniversary editions. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Very nice. I'm looking forward to picking up my copy for this. I'm glad to finally have the excuse to pull the trigger because it's just... I've seen it so many times, but I, yeah. I've I've held off on it. Do you think we're going to discuss that remake that's on there as a special feature? We can. You think, you I think we'll watch five it. minutes of it and then be like, you know what? No, thanks. Maybe I need to at least try. I don't, Let's I don't know. find I've, out. I've never seen it. Well, find out with us, folks, next week. We will see you then. Dan, here's the crime. Here's the crime.
We'll see you next time.